Chris, thank you so much for that prayer. Chris is the chairman of our missions committee this year. And this is the second week of our month-long missions conference. Our speaker this morning is our supported missionary, Brandon Buser. And Brandon and his wife, Rachel, and their children are missionaries to the BM People Group uh, in Papua New Guinea. And as I mentioned in Sunday school earlier, we have had the great privilege and honor of being part of their support team from the very first time they left for the field. I want to give Brandon as much time as possible this morning, so Brandon, I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Uh, As I mentioned in the first hour, uh, I'm here solo this morning. My wife and our five kids are back enjoying San Diego weather right now. Yeah, thanks for bringing in the snow for my 24-hour visit to Michigan. I appreciate that. Uh, I mentioned in the early hour as well that we have prayer cards in the back. If you would like uh, to uh, pick up one of these, there are plenty of them back there. It will give you an idea of how old my kids are. And uh, there's an email address on the back, too, that you can drop me a line at if you would want to be put on our regular update list so that you can stay in touch with what the Lord is doing through us uh, and our ministry over in Papua New Guinea. Uh, I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. Uh, This church has these annual missions conferences, uh, and I've had the privilege of participating in several of them. Uh, and it's just, it's always a privilege uh, to be with you guys, not just because uh, I enjoy speaking about this topic, but because you guys have partnered with us in such a special way for so many years that I enjoy sharing about what God has done through your efforts uh, over in the country of Papua New Guinea and specifically with the BM people. We do have a tight schedule this morning, so uh, forgive me if I speak expeditiously, but uh, I want this morning, well, actually, I, I saw in the, the little pamphlet, the missions pamphlet, you guys have some humdinger missionaries coming at you. Let me just warn you, the next, the next guy next week is just, yeah. Um, but typically during these missions conferences, you're going to get challenged uh, to participate in the Great Commission that our Lord and Savior has left with us, His church. Uh, either as goers, as senders, you will receive that challenge. I guarantee you, you'll receive it next week. Um, for those who don't know who I'm talking about, my dad is coming next week. So, uh, yeah, he'll give you double barrels. But uh, this morning, I kind of want to give uh, a different emphasis. My goal this morning is to share the gospel message with you. If you have never heard the gospel message, my prayer is that you will hear it clearly this morning. If you have heard it before and believed it, my prayer is that you would walk away from our time together this morning with a greater gratitude for what our Lord and Savior has done on your behalf and on mine. Because ultimately, it's when we know and believe and love this message, this gospel, that we're then motivated to share this message, both here and to the ends of the earth. So that is my goal this morning. Um, And rather than uh, share several stories about the BM church planting uh, ministry, 
I want to hover on the events that took place in 2012 from July to September when we took three months to share for the first time the gospel message with the BM people in their mother tongue. Teaching five days a week for week after week, three weeks, we unpacked the gospel for them, and that is uh, the story that I want to share with you guys. Uh, but to quickly bring us up to those uh, months in 2012, I need to first backtrack. So in 2006, my wife and our two kids at the time, we left the United States, flew over to Papua New Guinea. We learned a couple languages there. A couple years later, in 2008, we heard about this unreached people group called the BM, about 3,000 in size. And don't worry, you don't have to take notes on this. There will be a video towards the end of our time here this morning that will unpack all of this stuff. Uh, But in 2008, we heard about this unreached people group, 3,000 in size, living on these four islands. And through a number of events that we don't have time to go into, the Lord opened the door for us to move our family along with two other families out to this one square mile island that is an active volcano where 2,000 of these islanders live. We moved out there in 2008. We began learning their culture and their language, not because that was fun, it was horrible, uh, but because we had to be able to communicate the most important message that has ever been accurately and clearly in a way that they would understand. We did not want to communicate it in English. Obviously, that would fall uh, very, very confusingly upon their ears. So it took time, 2008, 9, 10, 11. For years, we studied their language, built relationships, gained credibility. We developed an alphabet for their language. We taught them how to read and write in their language. We began translation efforts. All of this in the lead-up to July of 2012, where we finally reached fluency, where we, will not, where we were now able to unpack this message for the BM people. And this is what we'll be spending our time with uh, this morning. But if you have your Bibles, turn uh, to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, because this text has a bearing on our story this morning. Uh, In Mark chapter 2, we're going to see uh, an event in Jesus' ministry. And uh, the context here is that Jesus has been uh, preaching to the masses, and a large crowd, in verse 13, uh, came to him, and he taught them. And as he walked along, verse 14, we'll pick it up there, he, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. So this is when he calls Matthew, the tax collector, to be one of his disciples. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. I love Mark's account of this. The others don't say this. He just kind of throws this in there uh, as extra. Oh, by the way, there are a lot of these jokers that follow Jesus. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were fair, when the teachers of, uh, sorry, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the, with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? 
17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now we're going to come back to this text in a second, but I want you to notice one thing. Christ basically breaks down his audience into two groups here. Sinners and righteous. Healthy and sick. Okay, sick and healthy. Sorry, I messed that up. Uh, Sinners and righteous, sick and healthy. And these were the two groups that he basically called out as, as the ones that he was interacting with. And these were the two groups that we found ourselves looking at in the audience of the BM speakers in 2012 as we were getting ready to share the gospel with them for the first time. Now, the reason for that, uh, a little background, there had been a religious organization that had come to BM and presented a very works-oriented gospel. They did not present it in the BM language. They didn't know the BM language. They presented it in English. And so the BM people listened to this works-oriented gospel with all the forms that came with it, and they took that and they overlaid it on top of their spiritual beliefs, their animistic beliefs, and they came out with this hodgepodge type of religion that had this veneer of Christianity. And so on BM in 2012, we had these two groups of people, these very zealous religious ones that believed that they could work their way towards heaven. And then there were the sinners, those that had tried to be good religious BM people, but they failed time and time again. They were the drunkards, the brawlers, the marijuana addicts of BM. So the, this is the setting that we found ourselves in in July of 2012 as we started the teaching. And where did we start? We started with the Creator and His creation. We unfolded for the BM people as they sat this picture of God, not as they understood Him, but as the Bible portrays Him. This God who is spirit and did not need any of this creation, but He crafts this magnificent world in preparation for creating man and woman, not because He needed 30 different types of bananas and bajillion different types of fish in the sea that all of our BM people are intimately familiar with. He didn't need any of this stuff. Why did he do it? For his glory and for our good. And we camped on these attributes of God and his goodness for day after day after day so that the BM people listening would understand, my goodness, I had no idea that my creator was this powerful and that he was this good. I never knew that about him. I always thought that he was somebody that I needed to placate, that I needed to appease, that maybe... He doesn't even really like me, but if I do the right things, he might accept me. This isn't at all the picture that this book portrays. And their eyes started to become open to this. And then we taught about how Adam and Eve were created and made unlike any other creature, made in the image of God with spirit. And we continued teaching about how God created this garden and out of His goodness He loved them and placed man and woman in this garden. And Satan enters this scene and he sees this pinnacle of creation and he wants to destroy God, but there's no way that he can do that. What do you do when you hate someone so much you go after what he loves? And Satan took aim at Adam and Eve. He took aim at humanity. And 
we taught these lessons, and all the while we're acting out these dramatizations that, man, uh, you guys would just be embarrassed to have seen these things. But the BM people were watching this stuff, and it was like IMAX 3D, just riveted to us acting out the temptation of Eve in the garden. And what does Eve do? And Eve buys into the lie that Satan tells her that God is keeping something good, that God does not want what's best for her. She has no reason to doubt God's goodness. And yet, she says, okay, I'm going to pick this because it will be good to be wise, to know, to not have to trust somebody else to tell me what's good and evil. I want this knowledge, and she buys into this lie, and she takes and she eats of the fruit that God had forbid them. And she gives it to Adam and he eats too. And so we're, we're unpacking this lesson. And so many of the BM people had heard this before, but we had laid out prior to this God's, God's attributes and how he always tells the truth. And so we're saying, guys, remember in Genesis 2.17, what had God told them? In the day that you eat the fruit, you will surely die. And look what happens to Adam and Eve. Did they die? And our people are going, wait a sec, how does this jive? They didn't die. We know God's not a liar. He can't lie. So how is this, how is this working? And so we, we had this all mapped out before we hit these lessons. We walked out of the teaching house that day. It has no walls on it. And we came up to this little tree that was growing uh, right outside the teaching house. And we grabbed this branch and we ripped it off the tree. And we walked back in and we said, guys, look at this tree branch. Is this tree branch alive or is it dead? And they're like, oh, you crazy white man, of course it's dead. Oh, look at it, it's still green. The leaves aren't shriveled, they're not brown, they're not dry, it's still green. How can you tell me this, this tree branch is dead? Of course it's dead, what are you, crazy? No, it, look, look. And they said, it's dead because it's not attached to the source of life. It's not attached to the trunk anymore. And we said, that's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. They didn't die physically that day. That would come just like the leaves on this branch will one day shrivel and die because you're right, it's dead. But spiritually, they died in the moment that they sinned. They were separated from this holy and righteous God because of their sin. They were separated from the source of life. They died spiritually that day. And just like this branch will soon manifest the signs of death, so too will Adam and Eve so too will physical death become seen in them. And just like you see your, your dogs in the village, what do they give birth to? They give birth to baby dogs. Your pigs, they give birth to baby pigs. Spiritually dead people give birth to spiritually dead offspring. And they're going, oh my goodness, we've never heard this before. But this makes sense. This makes sense because look at our children. We never had to teach them how to be selfish. They just they come from their mothers just knowing how to behave crummy like this. This is amazing. Now we understand because we've all been born out of Mama Adam and Papa, uh, Mama Eve and Papa Adam. We're all coming from them. Born spiritually separated from God because of our sin. And the hopelessness that began to dawn on them as, this, as these lessons came clearly over their eardrums. And yet in the midst of that hopelessness, there's Genesis 3.15. God didn't have to, but God says, but one day, one day from Eve, 
from the woman's line, I'm going to send somebody. I'm going to send somebody. And man, our guys gripped that. They gripped it as we went into Ab- uh, Abel and to Cain and the sacrifices. And we don't have time to talk about that. But on and on we went to Noah and how God provided this way of salvation for Noah. And how all mankind, God is seeing their sin. God sees every sin. He judges every sin. The penalty for every sin is death. These things continued to roll over the ears of the BM people as they listened to these stories. And they became gripped with a sense of their sin before a righteous and holy God. We talked about the Tower of Babel and Abraham and how God, again, God initiated with Abraham. God takes the lead and He comes to Abraham. God gives him this promise that He is going to bless all of mankind through him, through his offspring. And then about how God provides the substitute for Isaac as he's laying on the altar, unable to do anything. God himself steps in and says, no, here's a lamb to take Isaac's place. And we're going through these lessons. God clothing Adam and Eve. God making a way for Abel's offering. God saving Noah. God initiating. God providing. God, God, God is the chief actor. And it's a really good thing because all of mankind is in hot water. Unable to do anything to save themselves. And yet, at the same time, they get this picture of this God who is taking the lead Not sure how he's going to do it just yet, but clinging to the promises that they're seeing in the Old Testament. And all the while, we were looking forward to the chapters on Moses and the law, knowing that these were going to be watershed chapters. As we taught on the law, we hung on the Mosaic law for three days. Because as we came up to these, we could hear almost this collective sigh going, Okay, now we're to the good stuff. Now we're to the Ten Commandments. Now we're finally going to talk about what we can do to make it right with God. Now we're going to hear. And we had a whole bunch in the audience, again, sinners and the righteous, okay, that were waiting for us to hit this. And over three days we unpacked the truth of God's Word that God never intended this as the road to heaven. Quite the opposite. He actually gave the law so that we would see our sin, so that we would see it more clearly, so that our sin would be more defined. And as we look at the law and this mirror reflects on ourselves, oh my goodness, I'm filthy. I'm full of sin. And at the same time, we see God go, oh my goodness, this is, that's the chasm between me and Him? And we're able, because of the years that we had spent with the BM people, to talk with them specifically going, guys, how do you measure up to this? Remember, remember, it's not just don't commit adultery. Oh, it's so much more than that. How many times have you looked at a woman with lust in your heart? Oh, you've broken that one. You've broken one, you've broken them all. Be honest, guys. We've lived with you for four years now. We've heard a lot of stories. How do you measure up? And you can see 
the hope just draining out of their faces as they come to realize everything that they had pinned their hope on before. No, 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 no. I'm not good enough to even follow that. But the sinners that were in that audience, the ones who were truly and utterly hopeless going, okay, okay, but, but are, are, you, are you telling us that that was not the way that God had made for us to be right with him? Is that what you're saying? Am I, am I hearing that right? Yes, guys. God is going to make a way. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And you know what? After those lessons on the law, we lost about half of our attendance. The righteous, quote-unquote righteous, BM people, they said, nope, nope, that's not for us anymore. We're not coming. You're telling me that I am not good enough? You're telling me that I can't make God happy? No, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of this. Look back at Mark chapter 2, verse 17. On hearing the Pharisees' remark, Jesus says this. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Guys, Scripture is clear that there is none that are righteous. Not even one. Scripture is very clear on that. We're all born in sin. We're all born spiritually dead. We're all born separated from God. So what was Christ talking about them? Sinners and righteous. What could he possibly mean? Simply this. That there are sinners and there are sinners who believe that they're righteous. There are the sick and then there are the sick who actually believe that they're healthy. You see, even back in Jesus' day, they had this, this ability to identify as whatever you want it to be. You can identify, I can identify as Michael Jordan. It doesn't change the reality of who I am. I'm still an overweight white guy who can't jump, okay? So you can identify as a righteous person, but it doesn't change who you are. You are a sinner. You are a sinner. Those who identify as healthy, as righteous, guess what? They don't want what Jesus offers They don't want what Jesus offers. And on that day, as the teaching came up to that point on BM, man, we lost those quote-unquote righteous people. They didn't want it. But the ones who remained, the ones who remained, knew that they were not good enough. They knew they had no hope. And they continued to come. We continued to work through the lessons on the tabernacle, the golden calf. Guys, there's so much rich stuff there. The snake, Joshua, the kings, the prophets, all of these things. Uh, so they meant so much to the BM people. And as we came to the life of Christ, they knew enough of the story to know, okay, there's something special about this guy. Every man, woman, and child born of a man and a woman, but this, this man born of a virgin, different. He was not born the normal way that men and women have been born. He was not affected by the sin that you and I were affected. He was born without a sin nature. And they began to fall in love with Christ. As he walked through his earthly ministry, doing these miracles, we had this metaphor on BM about sin is like this tree, and it's got all this deadly fruit that came from it. 
uh, hunger, uh, nature, uh, death and sickness, all of these things. They weren't there when God created the world. They came from sin. And as Jesus does his miracles here on earth, he's walking around saying, guys, I'm not just going to tell you that I am the one to take care of things. I'm going to show you. Watch how I command the wind and the waves. Be still. And they listen to him. Watch how I feed the 5,000 hunger, this fruit of sin, not a problem for me. He plucks it off, he throws it away, he feeds the 5,000. Sickness, yep, I'm not just going to tell you, let me show you. Sickness, he heals the blind, the lame. Death, this chief of all sin fruits, he says, no, even that one. Even that one is not too big for me. Lazarus, come forth. And our people are seeing this stuff going, This is incredible. This is the one. What's he going to do? How's he going to do it? And as we came up to the last two days of the teaching, talking about the the trial and the crucifixion, and we acted these things out, and on the last day, we just taught. We taught, and we said, guys, do you understand? Do you understand what Jesus was doing up there on that cross? Do you understand as he hung there and he said, it's finished that he was talking about all the effort and the plan of God and all your effort. The work is done. I've completed it all. Do you understand what happened when the temple in that, the curtain in that temple tore? That curtain that the Jews forever looked at and it showed them and communicated, you're sinful and this holy and righteous God is over here. You're separated from him. Do you know what it meant when that curtain tore? As Jesus was hanging on that cross. His sinless blood poured out for you. He, the substitute, just like he was for, the lamb was for Isaac. Do you understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? And we just left it with them. We said, guys, if you understand this message, come. Come and talk to us. And we wrapped up the teaching for that day. And honestly, it was a little bit nerve-wracking because we didn't know. We didn't know if, uh, if this was going to take or folks were getting it or not. And over the course of the next seven days, man, we had about 30 to 40 BM men and women come and just give crystal clear testimonies of clear understanding. It's not through any effort of my own. I have nothing that I can add to this like Cain did in his offering. Oh, you like that? Man, you're going to love this fruit even better. No, no, no. I bring nothing to the equation. It is entirely God's doing. God has saved me. It was my sin that he took. God alone is the road. And to this day, our BM people look to that point and they say, that is the point where we became alive. Before we were spiritually dead, but God did to us the same thing that he did to Lazarus' body. He raised our spiritual dead spirits. He raised them to life. We've been lazarus and now they say, we are Ein Betamot Maridi. We are the men and women who are alive. And they call the unbelievers Ein Betamot Madi, the men and women who are still dead. This is the gospel, brothers and sisters, friends. This is the gospel that God initiated, that God took the lead, that God loved us, and He did it all. If you've never heard that, or if you've heard it and you haven't believed it, man, I pray that you would not waste another day. Because no decision, that's not a neutral activity. 
that comes at a cost. Calluses build up, and it becomes harder and harder to have a soft heart to hear and receive this message. If you have heard this and you have believed it, man, I pray that hearing how this message trickled across the ears of the BM people, I pray that it makes you more grateful for what your Savior did on your behalf. This isn't a communal salvation that he's given to us. It's an individual one. He died for your sins, for my sins. Man, what a gracious gift. What a magnificent message that we have the privilege to proclaim. I want to show a short video that encapsulates this, and then we will close uh, with a final song. But let me close in a word of prayer before we go to that video. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for these minutes you've given us this morning. God, your word is so rich. But ever since the beginning, Lord, we've seen this plan that you have painstakingly unfolded so that we could be made right with you. God, there's no greater gift that has ever been given. And the fact that you give it freely is shocking. God, may you be glorified and honored in what's been shared today. May you be glorified and honored in the hearts that have heard this message too. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.